And now, The Ropes. Welcome back to The Ropes. It has been a long time. I'm Ray Bartholomew from Grantland.com. I'm joined, as always, by ESPN.com's Brian Campbell, who is the king of the old man fights, and he's getting one this week. We're going to talk about that. We're going to preview Leo Santa Cruz and Abner Mares fighting this weekend on ESPN, and we're going to run you down all of this long summer boxing news here on the ropes. Uh, Brian, what's up? How's your summer going? Oh, this has been great. You know, this is the podcast that I guess they used to do a little, but the little wouldn't do it, Rafe. So that little got more and more. It's been a uh, a great podcast for me outside the ring, a little slow inside. But, uh, you know, we're looking forward, as we mentioned last episode, to a huge fall coming up, a lot of new developments. This summer, though, Rafe, I mean, you've been, uh, it's wedding season, you've been circling the globe. I heard your phone bill's about 2G's flat. I mean, you know, no need to worry, though, right? Hey, man, you know, it's it's true. I've been moving around a little bit. It's been a good summer. But, you know, I, right now I'm just I'm focused like a laser on these on these fights coming up. Uh, you know, drop some news on me. What's going on? Well, before we get into the news, a little aside, you and I did attend the uh, PBC on ESPN Garcia Malinaji fight together in Brooklyn. That was a nice surprise. Good card overall. We also got to meet a, a friend of the podcast, TV Johnny, hashtag Danglis in the in the back. You know, I mean, that had to be at least a close to a highlight of your summer, right? My man, I'm, I'm still waiting for you to post a photograph of me you and tv johnny you know with with just iced out medallions all over uh from that night and i haven't seen it uh you know what i also haven't seen are the uh the post-fight picks when you and i uh after the fight uh somehow we were hanging out and then a uh, dsg latin goonies after party developed all around us suddenly we've got uh james bag jr on one side our our uh friend of the grantland podcast david shoemaker on the other hey you know the, the celebrities were out that night I mean, anytime, you know, Team Swift is out, you know, the luminaries are going to show up, all the local, the local, you know, tastemakers. It, it was star-studded, but speaking of star-studded, so is this fall, which we talked about. Big fights that had been teased for a while are now officially on paper. Rafe, this is going to be loaded. There's been a lot of development since we last, uh, since we last po- podcasted, podded. Since we last, just go put, with it. You know, there's no put, verb yet. We're gonna wait for the, the the Oxford English Dictionary to sort that out for us. So let's yeah, that's gonna take it. some time. Last time we potted, you know, there's been more develops. I mean, I think you know the biggest development is that it's finally official. Miguel Cotto, Canelo Alvarez, the middleweight title showdown, November 21st, HBO pay-per-view, the Laniel title, the 155-pound catchweight, <laughs> Las Vegas. Rafe, this thing is gigantic. I can't wait. Here's why I am most excited, though. It's something I keep bringing up. It's as genuine a 50-50 fight as I can recall. And everyone wants to know, you know, on Twitter and chats, running into people, you know, who's your pick? Who's your pick? It, I think it's a great thing right now that I don't have a pick. I'm straddling the fence so hard I, I got chafe marks. I mean, this is this is where where are you sitting right now with this? I mean, this fight is really getting me fired up. Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, you know, people are going to find their ways to uh, to criticize the fight about whether it's the catch weight or that these guys may or may not eventually find be fighting Golovkin after this. It might just be the the sweepstakes to to fight, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather's 50th fight. But whatever, this is a really really fun fight. And for me, yo, I mean, like these guys, I can't pick one either. I mean, they both have. Both look good. Canelo is younger. Cotto, you can't really tell what his recent wins mean, but they've been impressive. Um, You know, I'm looking forward to it. To try to figure out what this fight might look like, I'm still stuck by the fact, though, that both guys are sort of facing... I guess I want to say legit questions about their most negative in-ring stereotype that's probably going to decide how this plays out. And I can't figure it out because, look, we know Cotto, he's kind of known for fading in every one of his big fights. Even that big, maybe career-defining win over Mosley, you know, where Mosley kind of rallied late, Cotto still got the decision. So we don't really know. Is this the reborn left-hooking assassin that he sort of looks like or is under Freddie Roach, or is this a facade, you know? And if he's still that guy that... That may be known for fading late, especially now at 34. Could we see him maybe come out a little bit different and be more of, of, of who we've seen him in recent fights and really attack Canelo and really be like this headhunter? I mean, what would that look like? How would that sort of, you know, would that help the fight live up to expectations as a super, you know, action fight? I don't know if that's going to happen just as much as I don't know Canelo, who gets criticized for, you know, not throwing enough punches in his biggest fights, being too much of a boxer, being too defensive. 
if that happens, Rafe, will that give Cotto a foothold as the better boxer to sort of, you know, take a lead and start establishing himself? My, my mind is running wild. Where do you sort of think, you know, based on those two factors? I mean, will we see any of that play out in this fight? Well, look, I mean, the, the Canelo thing, I don't think that really makes sense in this one, because if you look at his biggest fights, they've all been against like sort of more pure boxer type fighters. You look at, I mean, Mayweather, who he lost to uh, Austin Trout and Eris Landi Lara, who he got decisions over. Uh, the, you know, those guys are, are movers. They box, they jab. I mean, they, they are they're that's the style of fight that they make an opponent fight against them. And it's to Canelo's credit that even if he didn't put on a show against Trout and Lara, he did enough to at least get decisions that were close. I mean, I'm, I probably, I, I think I thought Lara won. Uh, I thought, you know, Trout was com- competitive. I know you're a big Trout man in that fight. Um, but you know, Canelo, anyway, those those opponents put that style on Canelo, and, and he competed in that style well enough to get his decisions in, in those two fights, whatever. Yet. He got shut out by Mayweather. But Ray, I don't but think Ray. he's going to look that. He's not going to look that way against Cotto. I mean, Cotto, it's a different kind of fighter. He's, he's, it's going to be a different looking fight. But, though, but I think it's a little misleading to believe we're going to see the Canelo we saw against Kirkland, who just forces that type of style out of you because he's just running straight on into, into oncoming traffic with no cares, no responsibility, nothing. Yeah, I don't think we're necessarily guaranteed that we're going to see that that uh, action version of Canelo, though. So there may be some middle ground here, which sort of dictates how the fight plays out. Well, yeah, like a lot of good fights between good fighters, which I know we we don't often get to see these days yeah, what's uh, that? necessarily. But, uh, you know, it, we may see a couple feeling out rounds and then guys will start to see and try and see we'll, and who gets into a rhythm may may end up, you know, determining who wins the fight. You know, and, and it's hard to sort of it, it's kind of getting harder and harder to picture that sort of fight unfolding because it's been a long time since we've seen one. But that's why we're excited about this. You know, we don't know who's going to sort of find something that works first and and, yeah, and, who's I, gonna, and how people are going to respond to it how and we want to know if Koto's for real we want to know if this has all been uh you know smoke and mirrors or not i think that's why we're tuning in that's why we're excited but let's talk about numbers here in terms of how many people are going to tune in uh, we know on paper this is the best fight of the year i think you know everyone can say that the, you know i mean obviously Maypack brought with it so many things expectations all that but i think in terms of you know what you're getting you know what you're paying for i think this has to be the the most important to you know to the to so many fans, you know, Puerto Rican, Mexico rivalry aside, but numbers wise, this will be the first major fight in a while of this level without Manny and Floyd in it, though, Rafe. So how much do you think that influences the actual pay-per-view numbers that are going to come out of this? Man, uh, I mean, it's yeah. been a down year. It's been a down year and a half or so for for pay-per-view sales outside, you know, Maypac well, notwithstanding. Four point four million. It might be more than, you know, previous years combined. Uh it's uh so it's hard to say it's necessarily been a, a, a down year i think that you know in terms of uh cable you know the 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 ratings on cable on hbo boxing has done well post maypack uh and i think it's it's reasonable to to at least hope that it continues to do well even on pay-per-view especially with a fight like this that is very easy to sell it has fan bases it has names that people know canelo whether you like him or not and i'm still sort of on the fence as a, as a mild canelo hater you know people come out for him i mean 2.2 million on hbo for his fight with kirkland is something you don't see very often you never see hbo get those kind of numbers on regular ca- on regular pay cable um, so uh <laughs> well let me you ask know. you this let me let me ask you this then. Then. Uh, for a long time, the unofficial Mendoza line in boxing pay-per-views that sort of decide whether a fight is sort of as big as people thought it was is that unofficial one million buy mark. That be- that might not always be fair. There's a lot of huge fights that did just below that that were still big. You know, Mayweather Hatton is a great example. But that's the line in recent years that says either this was a major fight or not. Does Cotto Canelo go above that one million pay-per-view buy mark? I think they get there. I think Canelo's big enough now. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, you know, I, I think they do as well. I think they're going to try really hard to get close. Those two big fan bases are very interesting. But, you know, there's been a lot of buzz in recent days with this fight with the press tour that's gearing up around different cities. I mean, today was a stop in New York. The buzz that I'm seeing on these uh, live streams and on these videos with the with the two ethnic fan bases coming together is just awesome. Even if these fighters have been perfect gentlemen through this. I mean, can you imagine a, a fight this year that will have this much buzz in in Las Vegas during fight week? 
No way. I mean, that, that, that's really the beauty of this. I mean, people are going to be, I, I, people are going to be really, really pumped and they don't know who's going to win. There's going to be real anticipation. I mean, there was of course, Maytag, which was, uh, I, I mean, had to have been quite a scene, but this is going to be real boxing fans, people who really, really uh, are, you know, are going to feel like their life and death matters with this fight. And uh, thankfully that's not a real case, but <laughs> it's fun to feel that way sometimes. Well, in Maypack fight week, there was just like this edginess in the air. It was like this, almost like this, this angry edginess in the air, maybe because of the buildup for the fight. I've known in the past from being there for some big Canelo fights, it's more of a fun party atmosphere. I think I saw that in watching, you know, some of the, the crowd responses to them in their in their press tour stops. It's going to be a fun event altogether. One more stop on this Cotto Canelo hit, though, is you know, Cotto's trainer, Freddie Roach, he just can't stop predicting early KOs for his guys, even though they never come <laughs> true. I mean, he's been calling, you know, Pacquiao early early KOs for about six years from now, so, you know, six years in a row, and, and Pacquiao hasn't scored a, a knockout in that long now he's saying Cotto is going to knock out Canelo Rafe first of all what's going on with your guy and in light of you know sort of Pacquiao's performance in that Maypac fight is Freddie sort of expiring as an elite trainer is he getting a you know in, in his old age a little loony here with these constant knockout calls or is he trying to motivate Cotto what do you think I mean, the, the, the trainer question is always interesting. You never, it's, it's sort of a, a classic chicken and egg thing where, you know, a trainer really needs one transcendent fighter and then more good fighters come to him and all of a sudden he's got a, a reputation as an elite trainer and, and he must be doing something right with all these good fighters. But at the same time, they've got all this talent. You can never quite tell. I don't think Freddie is any better or worse now than he might've been, or he's slipping or his health has anything to do with that. I mean, he, this is, just, he just, he lies his butt off like a lot of people do before a boxing match. I mean, that's, that's how, that's sort of the textbook old school way to sell a fight. You just lie and say crazy stuff. Uh, so, you know, that's what he's doing. It may, it may or may not go that way. And, you know, uh, and that's, that's the, that's the fun thing about boxing. You know, you can sort of, you can play rainmaker. You can say he's going to knock out and if it uh, going to get a knockout and if it rains, you say, see, I called it. And if it doesn't, well, then you talk your way out of it afterwards. You know, these guys are masters at this. So um, let me write this down. Lie and say crazy stuff. That's the formula for selling fights. I, yeah. That, that look, makes sense. Listen, don't take it from me. Take it to Bob Arum. Take it from Bob Arum, right? You know, yesterday I was lying today. I'm telling the truth yeah very true well let's move on to another fight that uh that has me shadow boxing in the mirror each morning that i wake up has me hashtag fired up rafe we talked about it on this pod before it's golovkin lemieux the middleweight title unification about another hbo pay-per-view gem october 17th msg in new york rafe it's interesting because this is two punchers, two trains colliding. We want to see this so bad. So many levels to it. So many things of how it'll play out. Do you think it'll actually sell, though, in giving Triple G's first chance to be on the stage? Dude, I think this is like a sneaky, brilliant plan that, that either it's HBO or K2, Gennady you know, Golovkin's promoter, or, or whoever has come up with it. I think it's super, super smart in the way they're doing it. I mean – this is their, you know, his first pay-per-view. He's going to be an A-side. So that's going to put his the expectations low. People are going to be happy if they come in with a number like 300,000 or something but like what Canelo did against Angulo in his first fight last year, his first pay-per-view fight last year. Uh, so people, the expectations are going to be low. They're pricing it competitively. It's going to be, what, is it going to be 50 and 60 for HD? Um, you know, so imagine in a world where we're saying that's competitive pricing. Well, you know, that's the world we live in. I mean, people were paying a hundred for a pay-per-view, you know, not that long ago. So people are going to look at this and be like, wow, we got a knockout artist, this guy that's supposed to be hot stuff. Um, are you talking about Lemieux's hair with that hot stuff coming? I mean, yeah, I guess there's hot stuff coming from all angles in this fight, in this, in this card, but that's in sort of one of the things they've got. It's, it's a guy with, I look, this is the, the pay, the, 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 the pricing, all these things are smart, the buzz, but really what I think it boils down to is like triple G has something. He has a real, a real quality, a real buzz that gets people excited. You know, it gets real, it gets hardcore fans excited. It gets casuals excited. He's just got some real juice and, I think that it's going to surprise people. I think that they could be looking at something over 500,000 pay-per-view sales. They could, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if they get close to that, the Mendoza line, one million. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yo. Well, let, let me ask you a uh, sort of cynical que- follow-up question here. Does it, for all the talk of how much people hate Floyd Berto, does Floyd Berto still outsell this Golovkin fight, even though we're sort of guaranteed action and guaranteed to see Triple G step up to another level? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, maybe it's it's I mean, Floyd is sort of his baseline has been, uh, you know, I mean, well, we don't know what the real baseline is, but it's probably over 700,000 sales. So, I mean, if if Triple G and Lemieux sell something like that, then they're in they're in heaven. Um, but at the same time, Floyd Berto, I mean, we could talk about it in a minute, but, you know, people are I think are pretty. Uh, that's the one fight that I could see underperforming in the pay-per-view, not just because it's not a great matchup, because people are sick of, uh, uh, that's where the, the, any backlash that still exists over Maypack, that's where it's going to show up. I mean, people are like, look at this garbage. I am not paying for it. <laughs> well, listen, Brocolate, we love this fight, uh, Golovkin Lemieux, it's got that old school element. I mean, you even have people that are really trying to hype this fight go as far to say it's, you know, this kind of got poor man's Hagler Hearns, you know, yeah, going to it. It's got, I mean, is that, is that nostalgic crap? That is like homeless man. That's not even homeless man. We already had, we like that we had the we already saw like the closest thing we may ever see, or we, our generation may ever see to to Hagler Hearns, and that was in 2012. Man, it was you know it was Manny Marquez four, and that that was I mean we can't really ask Good for call. more than that. Um, I love and, that fight. Uh, I love it. This, I love that fight. Well, maybe we can I mean, say I, that this is a rich man's Canelo Kirkland. Can we go that far? I'll go with that. I mean, Canelo. Kir- yeah, I mean, Canelo Kirkland was a was a was a good boxer, making a, a, a <laughs> undertrained like homeless man look like a like you know take a serious beating. But Kirkland was game. Um, I hope that Lemieux does better than Kirkland did. I, I would like to see. I would like to see us learn something about triple g if he ends up winning and if he and if it's a great fight and there's an upset who the heck knows well i'll tell you what triple g is ready so he you know the the press tour is on for this last week triple g made an appearance at at the espn studio in la also the day before was in bristol i got a chance to be with him you know behind the scenes walking with him talking with him they did a sports center hit and to see him in that sports center desk with the you know the, the sports center set has the giant video screens behind him to see the whole studio decorated in triple g to see him on the desk with his belts out there, it really was like a wake-up call to how far this guy's come from a marketing sense, you know? I mean, it's it, to see how well he has been handled, it's almost been near perfect. You know, they talked a big game in the beginning that this guy's going to be the next big thing, but you hear a lot of promoters, managers say that they've really taken him far to the point where where he's at this level, headlining his you know, own pay-per-view at, at MSG of all places. I mean, you were there from the beginning when he when he still had uh, baggy, bushy hair there in, uh, what was that, fall <laughs> 2012, the U.S. and That's HBO right, debut? Right, up in, uh, yeah, back I'm back back here in upstate New York. That was a little further upstate at Turning Stone in Verona. But uh, but you, you think know, about that, it, Rafe. Before you mention that, I just want to say he he's they've done this without focusing on negativity, without focusing on trash talking, without focusing on the typical ways you sell a boxer and build them up. Here's a guy who's you know b- broken English, and they've with a smile and cheesy smile on his face, and they've built him up to be something where people in barbershops, people in supermarkets, everybody. Every time I talk about boxing, the first question is who's this GGG guy? I mean, you couldn't have seen this coming when you saw him against Proxa, or could you have? Well, I mean, I I feel like, I mean, I sort of wrote that I did, but I still didn't believe it when I wrote it. Or maybe I didn't <laughs> believe it as much as it ended up happening. So I you mean, were lying and saying crazy stuff to sell a fight from the Bob well, I'm a student of the game, man. This is what I do. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I saw, I mean, look, the minute, I think everyone who has seen Triple G, the, whenever the first time they saw him was, you get that feeling, this guy is special. Um, so that is what I reacted to when I sort of wrote he could be a star, he could be the next star even. Um, you know, did it, did, was it necessarily going to play out according to this great script? No, I mean, people, especially when people saw the, the, the ratings come back off that first, that first HBO appearance, it, it, it was terrible. It was the least watched HBO show of, of 2012. So, uh, you know, props to the people, you know, driving that train for, for sort of believing in in the talent they saw and sort of the power. And, and I really think that's why. I mean, you know, yes, it, uh, it's sort of been a, a, a well-executed rise. But when a fighter is doing what Triple G has done in the ring, yeah. it's it, I think that sells itself. It you don't, sells that, itself. You don't need negativity to, make, to, to sort of convince people to look at that. It's just here's a guy coming in. Looking like like a like some like something out of another dimension. The way he's fighting. 
Absolutely. Well, let's let's talk about the mindsets quickly as we enter this fight. I did talk to, like I said, I talked to Triple G. What I really took from him, you know, is that despite so many smart boxing fans and even Triple G's own trainer, Abel Sanchez, trying to op- openly say, look, you know, this might not be as hard of a fight for Triple G as other people think. I mean, Sanchez went as far to tell me that he thought Curtis Stevens was a more difficult opponent, you know, <laughs> than, than Lemieux, which, which sort of rubs people the wrong way. But what I took from talking to Gennady, he's taking this fight very, very seriously. I mean, he even interrupted me when I was asking him a question about it to sort of say how much he respected Lemieux's power, how much this is a in his words, a dangerous, dangerous fight. He has the full-on respect for the magnitude of the guy across from him, which I can respect because whether Lemieux's a one-trick pony or not, that one trick (laughs) can ruin your night in a hurry. And if you flip the, the script and, and sort of follow how Lemieux has been in the buildup, he did a hit from, from the LA Sports Center studio where I, I can't, I couldn't imagine seeing somebody so confident and almost co- not cocky though, because he's very respectful of his opponents. You know, he, he refuses to talk trash. He was alarmingly confident though. I mean, he really sounded like a stud in the real deal. It reminded me of how much this, it's an underreported recent rise for him. Not underreported, but no one talks about as much that, you know, he was written off after those two, lo- two losses in 2011. I'm talking about Lemieux. He was written off following those losses. He got stopped in one of them. Now he's sort of writing his own redemption song. I mean, he's almost rewriting the lyrics to uh, to Juicy right now saying, yeah, man, this fight against Golovkin is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing after I lost to Rubio. To all the people that lived above the building when I was hustling in front of them. <laughs> they called the police on me when I lost to Joaquin Alcine. You know, I mean, it's all good, baby, baby, but he's coming to win this, Rafe. And that really, you know, that really means something. It should be obvious, but that really means something these days when as good as Golovkin is and as much advantage as he has over Lemieux, he's going to have to finish this man to win this fight. Yeah, I think that, I think Lemieux is coming to win and that's good. I mean, and we'll see if he actually has the stuff to do it. I don't, I mean, I, I obviously Golovkin is going to be a favorite and is a favorite for very good reason. Um, he looks like the better fighter. Uh, you know, Lemieux, I, I don't know. He deserves to be confident. Look at the, I mean, that's, that's how he fights. And, and it's, uh, he, he's done a good job of building himself and his confidence back up since those losses. And, you know, um, he already told us when he was on the podcast uh, <laughs> yeah. a couple months ago, he's not going to ship, sit, ship champagne when he's thirsty he's just gonna come get your girl right <laughs> he, he you better guard your guard your girl knuckle up i mean yeah. this guy's coming to your party he doesn't even want your beer all right he just he just wants <laughs> the ladies and he's walking out rafe another fight of course uh, that's getting buzz not always only for the good reasons of course as floyd mayweather andre Berto, which we talked about before that welterweight title bout is sneaking up on us september 12th in vegas showtime pay-per-view mgm grand in mayweather's house let's keep this short but uh does this fight have to sell a certain number to be a success for them, or is the negative uh, things surrounding it putting it in a position where it cannot succeed no matter what? I, uh, I, I'm, 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 I think I'm abstaining from this fight. I'm going to be there. I started to think it's an interesting. It'll be an interesting scene to witness because I don't, <laughs> I don't really know how to feel about it. Um, uh, they, they want. I, I think they made their money obviously on uh, on Maypack, and this is what they're choosing to do now. And hopefully, I, and this is one of those things where Mayweather. You could even see him. I mean, this is how sort of great May Floyd is. We give him credit for being able to pull stuff off. Like maybe he'll make Berto look good to sell the fight. Uh, and to get and, and to make it seem like a better matchup than it was. Like I'm talking myself into these scenarios already. You mean like um, Maidana won? Well, I'll yeah, except it, then, I'll like, him to the know, corner. Madonna actually ended up being that good. But uh, I'm talking myself into the into a Floyd is going to make Berto look good scenario. Uh, I'm all, all I can think about it, like the weird conspiracy angles in this, because the fight itself, there's not much there. Yes, yes, sir. What is a realistic win, though, for our guy Berto? Besides, you know, walking on the beach, uh, living the struggle, <laughs> holding the crustacean, does he have to score a, a knockdown to win? I don't mean win, win the fight. No one thinks he's going to win the fight. For him to come out of here looking good in, in a moral victory, does he have to score a knockdown or does he just have to not get knocked out, just be competitive? Is there anything he can do where he can win even in a defeat? Yeah, if he looks good, that's a win, right? I mean, like that's that's basically the rule against uh, against Mayweather. If you exceed expectations, if you make Floyd work, if you look better than if you know, I mean, you know, Manny was sort of an exception because 
people expected him to do well, and then he didn't, and he he didn't meet that mark. Everyone else is expected to look like garbage, and if they manage to push Floyd in any way and make it somehow competitive for even a few rounds, then they, they get credit for that. So Berto really could look good. I think that if he gets knocked out, then it's sort of like, wow, you were Floyd's first knockout, and and since since <laughs> sucker punch against Vo. Uh, other than that, but if he, you know, if he, but but even say he does get knocked out, even if he pushes Floyd. If he really, if he fights his butt off, people are going to respect that. And Berto usually does do that. Absolutely. The one thing that has come up, the big chatter isn't even about this fight. It's about sort of, you know, the the talk of Floyd in his all-time ranking. I mean, he was on an ESPN Deporte show in L.A. where they had him rank his top five boxers ever. He, of course, puts himself at number one. No surprise when you're calling yourself TBE and you're selling that merchandise. He didn't have Sugar Ray Robinson, though, in his top five. It became a, you know, a story that a lot of people talked about and debated. Rafe, where do you sort of fall on here? Are you in a position now yet to sort of have an idea in your mind where right now Floyd does deserve ranking, whether it's in the top 25, not at all, maybe in the top 10? People are going to be all over the place on this. And, and, and question two is, do you think his soft matchmaking and the things he gets uh, criticized for is going to fade over the time, over the years, where it will only improve his ranking if he retires undefeated? Yeah, I I uh I leave the all-time rankings to the, you know, hashtag history buffs on Twitter. I mean, that's that's so hard to do. I mean, it does, it's such a difficult thing to do in any sport, and it feels like in boxing we are more obsessed with it than in, than in any other sport perhaps. Uh and uh, you know, what else is Floyd going to do but say he's the best? I mean, he hasn't lost. He's the best of his era. Why sh- I mean, like it you know, it's it's really not up to him to make that call and and I think the historical everyone else uh at least rightfully believes that it's sugar ray robinson um but uh you know but do you think time will help legacy, his case yeah do you think time will help his case will. i think it will and I, and I actually don't agree with the way that time will help his case because what in over time people will look at the resume and see all the names he's beaten and and compared to a lot of other resumes of this era it's going to be way better um but I, and I and I think that people are going to forget that a lot of the a lot of those names he you know he did wait them out a little bit you know he waited out Mosley he waited out Cotto he waited out Manny and he beat them all yes and he beat competitive versions of all of them he didn't beat like the 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 corpse version of those fighters I shouldn't say that um, but he didn't beat the the washed up version of those fighters but he beat them after their primes and you know I guess that says something that that Floyd has maintained his prime into his late 30s or, or fought at that level of a prime fighter when the others have sort of have 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 uh, dimi- they become diminished but he beat diminished versions of a lot of his best guy uh, best names on his resume yeah, he didn't always take the easy way out. He just took the lesser way out. If there was four or five difficult opponents from choose from, he's going to pick the the you know the the easier one of the group that just makes the most sense, that makes the most money. And, time may bleed that. Time may you know not show that. But what were we going to say? Go ahead. Oh, Brian. Yeah, the, the, you know the real tragedy in my mind there is that. I think he's Floyd did himself a disservice with that because if you asked me to pick a favorite against Prime any of those fighters any fighter that would have been in his in his uh in his like weight range in in Floyd's career I think I would pick Floyd even even the best version of Paul Williams maybe with exactly. all the problems he would present yeah, I you think said Floyd the best is the best fighter and he didn't do quite enough to sh- to convince the most skeptical people that he was that guy. Exactly. He could have e- exited with such a stronger case to be TBE than what he did, and he sort of robbed himself in the process. Uh, I agree with what, what you said, point on right there. It's just like, it's tough, because when you're covering, you know, you're, we're covering this era. I want Floyd to be the great and have a chance to be TBE. You know, I, I want to say I covered that guy. I was there for his fights. I did, you know, d- debated how great he was. The fact that it's sort of disappointing when he's not doing all he can in this era when I fully agree that he would have beaten any of these guys in their prime. So to not do that, it it just hurts his chances. Yet you can argue on the other side, part of his legacy is that at 38, he's still number one. Well, how how do you get to do that at 38? Besides taking great care of yourself, maybe it's not taking punishment. Maybe it is all those, you know, genius matchmaking of him and Al Heyman, how they mapped out his career. So it's going to be interesting to see how that affects how, how we do regard him. Because when you do go back and look at his fights 25 years from now, you're going to notice pretty quickly he's not getting hit. 
And that's a that's a great testament to his legacy. You know, whether people remember then that he fought Mosley three years too late, this guy, whatever, whatever. I don't know. Who, who cares? Let's move on. The only other big fight this fall that could be that we really haven't heard is what's the PBC going to do, Rafe? You know, I mean, there's a little bit of rumor out there that we may see a Keith Thurman, Sean Porter sort of welterweight showdown. But the PBC, with the consistent solid cards, don't have a big fight for this schedule for this uh, fall season, whether it's going to be on Showtime or Showtime Pay-Per-View or any of the other PBC-friendly uh regular TV stations. Do you think PBC needs to have a big one to sort of uh, legitimize their their matchmaking over this debut year? No, I mean, well, first of all, we're talking about PBC, so it's time to put on like our our like detective or our, our fortune teller hats because no one really knows what's going on inside there or what they're actually thinking. We're all just sort of guessing at trying to make the best educated guesses at what their strategy is, how they're trying to build this brand and this and this image. I my, I'm convinced now that they aren't going to make a truly like like you know salive something that makes us salivate just a like a real matchup that we're dying to that fans want to see that really would just be you know two guys on the rise no questions about it they're not going to make that until this sort of two-year period is up so we're i think we're looking at one more year because you you look at most of the deals they are signing with tv networks they they last for those two years and i think at the end of that maybe that's when they take or they say okay these are the fighters we have now and then they start shopping it around to networks and they say these are the fighters we have these are the matches we can make if you're willing to pay us now to put them on and maybe they won't have had the track record by then to sell that to, to networks because, because they haven't made as good enough matches to get the ratings that, 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 that would need. But I think maybe that's what they're angling for. Um, that's really Thurman interesting. Porter might happen, but I, you know, I mean, that's my, my uh, off the wall, weird theory of the day. No, I think that's strong, a strong take because it makes you wonder, because obviously the 80% of the great welterweights and that's the hottest division. It's been for a while. It's boxing's money division. 80% are under the people. BC Heyman Banner still, all of them essentially don't have a fall fight. You could make a series of very, very important fights, whether they're on Showtime, whether they're on a smaller level Showtime pay-per-view, including guys like Thurman, Porter, Khan, Maidana. I mean, the, you know, Danny Garcia, there's a big list of guys. There's a lot of levels of, of quality of fights you can make there, whether you're going to go a little bit softer in like a Danny Garcia, Robert Guerrero level, which has been rumored, or whether you're going to really push a Thurman Porter type of who has next in the division fight. But is it what you're talking about? Is it going to be a plan where let's showcase these guys while we have the opportunity to showcase them on CBS, NBC, ESPN, etc., and then see what happens a year and a half from now? I don't know. I think the matchmaking overall on PBC has been good, not great, but solid. Every time you're going to get a little down on it, they come back with a strong one. I'm looking. Watch they gotta the pick undercards. A- That's the key, right? Watch the undercards. True, but they got. I think they have to make a small level, good, solid statement here this fall and pick at least two of these big guys that you know that have a lot of potential and put them against each other. You just have to do that. You got to appease to the fans, but you know that. That's it. Wrapping up the fall that's coming up, Rafe. I'm looking forward to it. Well, no, no doubt. I mean, it's like box. It's boxing's been kind of quiet for the last two months. I mean, HBO hasn't had a fight since late late July. They won't until October. So, I mean, there's there's it's it's definitely a little bit of a down period. But we've had some funny news to get through. I mean, you know, my man Manny is back home in the Philippines. Pacquiao. He's out there swimming. Oh, Pacquiao, Pacquiao, man. I mean, Angaling ni Pacquiao. Uh, he, he's uh, so you know. Um, I, I actually, you know, Manny has gotten a lot of guff, a lot of ridicule in the past week or so because he um, he had this news story come out where he he, he thanked God and salt water for healing <laughs> his su- supposedly injured uh, right shoulder um, that that you know he claimed prevented him from winning the Mayweather fight, or even though he thinks he won, prevented him from winning even better than he thinks he won. Um, you know, that's a ridiculous statement, and, and it's easy to ridicule him. I will say that, you know, Manny, you know, is has always been a freak athlete. And sometimes freak athletes just just get better, you know, on their own. Or, or you know, their their bodies are different from the rest of ours, you know. You're talking I mean, about Kobe's knee when he went to Germany. Is this what you're talking about right now? I'm talking about in a pre, a pre like, high-tech treatment era, which is really the one Manny lives in uh, because he chooses to. I mean, he has options to get better treatment in the Philippines or here in the States. States, but he he sort of is this sort of old-fashioned superstitious i'm gonna do it my old the, the old way guy um for better or worse uh and um you know i mean look 
saying saltwater healed him is silly. But if you think about swimming, that is a very like that that is classic old school therapy for all kinds of injuries. Like because it's low impact, it uses the joints, it strengthens them. So it, it may not be as good as going to a a real full time physical therapist who's going to work that joint and build the muscle. And I, I mean, we'll see when he fights again if if he has trouble with the shoulder. Um, if if indeed he should have done more rehab on it. Um, but it's not that hard to see, like how how swimming is a good exercise to, to sort of improve uh, it to a certain degree. No, no, no. I live in the Philippines, you. bro. When I used to sprain my ankles, you know, I would just <laughs> fill up a co- a big two liter Coke bottle full of water and roll my ankle, roll my foot back and forth on it. That's the way. Look, you know, look at this. It's old look. school methods, man. Listen to this, bro, Harvey Oswald. I don't necessarily want to get conspiracy theory with you, dial into what Paulie's doing, and go fully on in that route. But I do want to say this: when I watch back, when you know, when I watched Mayweather Pacquiao from ringside, and especially when I watch back the tape. I just didn't see a guy who was compromised by a shoulder injury, at least not exclusively compromised by a shoulder injury. I'm not going to say there wasn't something there. I'm not even going to say that there wasn't some sort of minor surgery afterwards. I'm not going the full boat here, conspiracy theory level. But I will say when I rewatch the tape, I'm not seeing a guy who was prevented by that shoulder. There was no grimaces and pain, no whispers in the corner. I'm seeing a guy who didn't want to get knocked out, who had flashbacks of the Marquez loss and didn't and was eating those Floyd right hands, especially in that 11th round when the fight was still kind of up for grabs, who didn't want to get KO'd and took the loss and then was, you know, they had the talk in the locker room and then may have come out in the press conference and first words out of his mouth was, you know, hey, I had the shoulder injury. They wouldn't give me the needle, so let's do the rematch. I don't I don't know, Rafe. I don't know what to say. But there's a little bit of sketchiness, and I think if the roles were reversed, we got to be honest with ourselves. I know Floyd willingly plays the villain role, but if the roles were reversed, people would be all over the story, eating it up, spitting it out, and being all over Mayweather. The opposite, people seem to love Manny, you're not hearing the story really float around a lot. It's a little sketchy. It seemed like oh, I believe. Look, man, I'm I'm actually okay with the conspiracy theory. If you like Manny, I don't. He didn't fight like he had a hurt shoulder. I mean, we've seen like Andre Berto. We saw him fight with it with a with a tear in his shoulder. I don't know if it was rotator cuff or AC or exactly where. We saw him fight with it with a tear in his shoulder, and he didn't use that arm. And then he got knocked out. Um, you know, Manny. You know continued to use his right arm and didn't really look like he was in extreme terrible pain there. So I'm, I'm cool with that uh, conspiracy theory. And, and, you know, it's, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they decided to try and save face with that, uh, with the, with a white lie about the shoulder. Um, Let me go back to but, what you said, lie yeah. and say crazy stuff to sell fights End quote. Got it. It's, you know, this is that, look, we're trying to educate the masses. We're trying to, you know, grow as people. We're just trying to become uh, the best we can be, and that's how we do it. Exactly. Well, moving on here, our guy, Face Loop, VO, Victor Ortiz, our man. He's, you know, he anytime people put a microphone in front of his face or someone allows his fingers to touch uh, a keypad to infiltrate social media, he's going to say something ridiculous. He's going to say, hey, Floyd, bro, where's my rematch? He's going to do something wild. He just tweeted out a pick. He wants a rematch with Amir Khan. Apparently, they, they uh, must have met in the amateurs or when they were young <laughs> at some point. I've always wanted to see that fight, you know, in the pros. I think it's, it's all throughout their ups and downs, I still think it's a incredible fight if you're allowed to play pbc matchmaker which is a game we love to play on this podcast how would you handle vo moving forward and try to predict like where do the next five fights play out like where does his career go from here is he ever actually going to make it into a big bout against a big name is it just going to be carnival fights is it just going to be him making bad action movies talking about being a fighter but not really being one and just getting into uh, fights at kenny chesney concerts where's this guy going we love him where's it going ding 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 you said it brian look I, I I enjoy a lot of things about Victor Ortiz. I would I, I would like I would be happy to see him continue fighting, but I think he's got enough opportunities in his life right now that uh you know he's gonna keep taking those, he's gonna keep doing bad action movies, he's gonna keep being like a borderline extra in Southpaw. He's gonna be that, you know, sort of borderline former boxer who hangs around Hollywood and picks up a couple bucks here and there. He's going to hey, sell Billy Blanks food. made a career out of being a action star janitor, uh, putting karate on people. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, he, he killed it in blood fist, man. You don't need to tell me. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think Vic, I, I, and basically what it boils down to, and this is something that this is not going to be news to people who follow who follow Victor Ortiz's fan, his career. Uh, it, he doesn't seem like he's that invested in being a professional boxer or fighter, uh, and he seems to have found a, a, a easier way to make a living. And you can't blame him. It may be disappointing to people who who like watching him fight because he's either exciting or because he still has some talent or because this or that or whatever. But I don't I don't really expect to see him back until he's in dire straits again, which would be sad. But uh, it, that but day true. may come. He might be in right. an old man fight someday. Pick a fight. Pick a fight right now. This calendar year, you're the PBC matchmaker. Who are you going to see him against? You're sitting front row to watch this. Who, who are you rolling the dice with here? Are you going Maidana rematch? Are you going Khan? What are you doing here? Realistic or, or good fight? Hey, you're the PBC matchmaker. Wherever you want to go with this, you want to put him in there with Kimbo in an open weight match. Whatever you got to do. Right? <laughs> I mean, if I'm PBC matchmaker, you know, I'm I'm you know digging through the depth. I'm, I'm I'm looking at like Lucky Boy Omatoso or something like somebody. I'm going, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm looking for some dregs. I mean, you saw who we fought last. I mean, um, Dad, I, I don't think PBC cares as long as they get the names in there. You know, they 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 think they can get some people to watch. Um, uh, a more interesting matchup, um, you know, yeah, Maidana rematch, you know, I mean, because Maidana, you know, see if he can get into shape for that, see if he can get, if he can make weight after a year of living high on the hog. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe that brings out a little of the old, uh, a little of whatever fire VO has got left. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just hope we see him in some form. I, I love that, man. You know, I'm going to say it right here. But moving on to news, here's a new story that won't go away. It's this, you know, this verbal war between Floyd Mayweather and uh, UFC champion Ronda Rousey. It's back and forth. It's ridiculous. There's the talk about what would happen if they fought in an MMA fight. That got played out. Now it's, you know, Floyd with the comments of, I've yet to see any MMA fighter or boxer make $300 million in 36 minutes. When Rousey can do that, she can call me. Well, Rousey today fired back with the, uh, well, I think I actually make two or three times more than that than he does per second. So when Floyd learns to read and write, he can text me. Rafe, I hate this news story, but it's everywhere all the time. I just don't like talking about a guy who's been e- either arrested and done time or rumored to be involved with so many multiple stories of hitting a woman and we're playfully talking about what would happen if he was in a cage against a woman. Uh, I just can it go away. Do you have any thoughts on this? Can it please go away? No, I don't have thoughts about it. I mean, you know, my, my advice to you is don't pay attention to Twitter. Try get away from those people. You know, they, you know, follow, just follow James Bag Jr. He'll tell you all he all you need to know. The internet assassin James Bag Jr., who's a real person, by the way. But I, yeah, I can't get away from Twitter. I got to see who VO is going to call out next. But yeah, that story can go away, please. Both people stop talking about each other. Finally, in the news, our guy AB, Mr. NBC, Mr. HBO, Mr. PBC. Rafe, the news is that October 3rd on Showtime, remember that network? They're, they're back in boxing. Adrian Broner's coming back to fight Khabib Alekverdiev. You may know him from getting robbed against oh, yeah. Jesse Vargas for his 140-pound title. They're fighting for one of these uh, w, one of the many WBA belts within each division. But the hook here, Rafe, is that Broner's coming back after a loss. This is for a vacant title that would make our guy A.B., a four-time titleist in as many divisions at age, what is he, 20, you know, 27, I think is what he is. Uh, what do we do with this fight? I actually kind of like it because Khabib, you know, as a southpaw, he's difficult, he's tough. But AB can be, in this day and age, AB can be a four-division titleist. You care about this fight? Where are we going with this? Uh, well, look, I mean, I, I, I care more about the fight than the title. I mean, you know, I think most boxing fans who care enough to follow all the, the, the nonsense about – you know, the sanctioning bodies and the different titles don't care. Like they, we know that they're garbage. We know that they don't mean anything. And yet fighters still care about them. And yet networks still use them to sell fights. And it's still, a, it's still, you know, it's still a factor, but uh, you know, if, if Broner wins and calls himself a four, you know, a titleist in four weight classes, you know, no one's going to, you know, people are just laugh at him for that. Um, you know, I, I, what I'm curious about with Adrian Broner is to see if he is going to seriously rebuild him, his career, if he's going to make some changes, if he's going to fight differently, he's going to be more active, or if he's just going to be the same AB who, you know, who's going to be vulnerable to, to aggressive fighters who can overwhelm him and swarm him and either, you know, uh, hurt him like maybe Madonna did or outwork him like Porter did and uh, if he's going to develop because you know he's got some raw we've, we've seen raw talent from him we've seen a lot of good things from him uh, we've also seen a lot of bad things and uh, you know I'm waiting to see the the tipping point in one direction obviously uh, a lot of people are predicting that that uh, the uh, 
the dark side is going to win for, for Adrian Broner. But, um, you know, I, I want, I'm sort of rooting for him to, to build himself back and, and, and have some kind of decent career. I've sold stock on him so many times, but you know I'm watching if he's in a fight. And if he's going to fight a guy named Khabib, I'm watching even more. So let's do this. I don't know what happened to Showtime. You can go a lot of theories in that direction. I'm just glad they're back putting on a fight. Maybe, Well, maybe maybe they haven't been around because they got to pay Floyd $32 million for this Berto fight. But that's another story. That's the news, Rafe. Let's move on to a little bit of a weekend preview, actually. we got kind of a loaded Saturday. Solid weekend. I mean, this is boxing. This is the beginning of the, the hot fall season. Let's get it. This weekend, of course, the crown jewel we're looking at is a fight that's two more than two years in the making. We're talking about the PBC on ESPN. It's back for a mouthwatering featherweight showdown. Leo Santa Cruz, the unbeaten against the former three-division titleist Abner Mars, the Staples Center in L.A., Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. Again, that's ESPN. Rafe, a uh, lot on the line here if you really break it down. What's really uh, that jumps out that's at stake in this fight when you look at it outside of the action potential? Whoa, I mean, uh, one, I mean, you know, sort of standing in, in one of the best divisions in boxing. I think that that's what I care most about. Uh, a lot of the hardcore fans will think about that. You know, I mean, where do these guys, uh, how, who looks good in this fight, where do they fall amid a division that has, you know, these great names like Vasil Lomachenko and Nicholas Walters, who may or may not stick around the division after missing weight in his last fight. Uh, Gary Russell Jr. I want, where is he, man? He needs to get, he, he beat Johnny Gonzalez like earlier this year and dropped off the map. He should, I, I hope I the winner, fight the winner. Of this fight gets, yeah, yeah, that's what it should be. Um, you know, I hope they stick to that. But anyway, like I want to see how how they fill, fill out in this division, and of course, you know, it's a it's a you know attractive fight because it's in it's in Los Angeles. These are two guys with some LA roots, so Southern California roots. These are guys who you know with Mexican and American and Mexican American roots, um, and you know all of those are going to come together to make a, a sort of a good atmosphere and a fight that people have been waiting for for a long time, right? Yeah, and then you reference that. It goes back to 2013 when we when we started writing blogs saying this is one of the three or four best fights you can make for the action potential. But back then, of course, Morris is the unbeaten guy who finally was getting the pound-for-pound pound recognition across the board. The three-division titleist uh, was that young phenom for a while for Golden Boy, you know, where he fought reckless, fought dirty, fought fun, but he was winning fights against Santa Cruz. It kind of came out of nowhere in the lower weight classes with that hurricane style. They didn't make that fight then, of course, because Morris gets railroaded by Johnny Gonzalez. Two years later, we're finally seeing it. Now, it's lost luster in that sense of, of seeing the young star against young star. Yet there's almost more urgency now, which you know, is kind of interesting. It almost might lend itself to being more of an action fight, which is what everybody, the hook of everybody want coming in. And that's because both guys have legitimate questions to be answered. I think when you look at Santa Cruz, despite being unbeaten, he's taught, we're talking about two years where he's just treading water. I mean, two years of, of going through the, I mean, if anyone's doing the, the old school Berto Heyman matchmaking system, it's really <laughs> Leo. He's been the poster boy for that with the fast chest two years, getting these big I mean, showcases. Don't sleep on my man Quillen. Don't sleep on my man. <laughs> Hell, he's in the running, but yeah. I mean, getting these showcases on the Floyd undercards and fighting nobody's, I think he's become stagnant. I think his brand has, has taken hits. I mean, I mean, he fought five times in 2012, the last fight in December on CBS, back when that was a real big deal before this PBC launch. He hasn't gained back any of that momentum over the past two years. He's almost gone in the opposite direction. He's so fun to watch, but he's got legitimate questions. Is he for real? He hasn't fought the level of competition that's going to show you that he's made leaps, that he's made improvements. Now he's going in against a bigger fighter because Santa Cruz moving up in weight to that full 126. It's going to be very interesting how he does when he's going in against a guy in Morris who I think is more versatile, is bigger, is stronger, naturally has, you know, there's a proven puncher in this division. Leo's got a lot of questions to be answered. Do you think, Rafe, that, that there's something to this where soft matchmaking could have really stunted his growth? Well, I don't know if it necessarily stunted his growth. It did. I, I do blame it for some of the, the recent sort of lackluster performances. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's been sort of a, a disappointing, or I don't even know how to describe it, more like deflating year and a half period for Santa Cruz. Because I remember this is, this is I, I was in Las Vegas before uh, he was fighting. It was the weekend of, uh, you know, uh, Canelo and Josecito Lopez and also uh, Chavez Jr. and Sergio Martinez, those those dueling two cards. September and, 2012. Oh, yeah. That's right. Santa, Leo Santa Cruz was fighting on the Golden Boy card with Canelo or on the undercard for Canelo. And 
I met a couple of guys from from New Mexico who were just boxing junkies, had a podcast out there, knew their stuff. And they were like, dude, Leo Santa Cruz is a beast, beast. They just like couldn't ta- stop talking about him. And, 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 you know, I'd seen him a little bit and I watched him. I think he, that was the night he beat uh, Eric Morrell. And it was like, whoo. He is yeah, what, what was left of Eric Morrell? Let's be fair. Though. Well, exactly. No, and that, and that and that was the story, right? So anyway, it's been sort of like the same old story time and time again with those fights beating the the ghost of Eric Morrell, Victor Terrazas, and then these guys no one has ever heard of. Um, and now it's almost like, and when he doesn't finish them as he hasn't in a couple of the recent fights, it's kind of like, is he even good anymore? Exactly. Um, now we're going to see. I mean, like, look. Abner Maris is, is, you know, not as highly regarded as he was when he came off of that uh, that run in the at bantamweight, and when he, you know, when he and, and after he beat Anselmo Moreno and, and all these big names. Um, but he's going to be the best guy Leo Santa Cruz has ever fought easily. He's going to be the first guy that Santa Cruz has ever fought who actually can punch him back, I think, and make a difference when he lands something. So it, we're going to learn something. And I actually think you said that uh, that you think. Marius is the bigger guy. I think, like, if we're getting full Teddy here, uh, I think that Leo Santa, full, full Teddy being our, our guy on ESPN, uh, the, the legendary Teddy Atlas, who loves the bigger man in a fight, I think that uh, that Leo Santa Cruz, younger, is actually the naturally bigger man. I mean, he's got a longer frame. But I think and, – and I think he will – he has more – time to fill out and and be a more natural 126 pound fighter even if he's more recent to the vid to the division than uh than than Mares is Mares is it, it was small for this division kind of like kind of got forced up the same way Nonito Donaire did and and maybe that's why he didn't look as good the same kind of fate that that befell uh Nonito at this weight um but that's where they're fighting and it's gonna be a, a, a look I'm excited I think even though it, it took too long to get here it might feel like more of a 50-50 fight now than it did back then. I really, it's hard to call. Yeah, and, and Leo does have the the height and reach advantage. So when I say naturally bigger, obviously I mean it's it's the body, the the the, the power, the weight, the being a physical presence. You know, Leo told me that he has he doesn't fear moving up weight. He didn't think it's gonna be an issue. But one thing he did say was that he only really tops out about one thirty, one thirty two on fight night. So he knows that he's going to be in there with a much bigger natural guy. And Mars is obviously gonna have to play that to his advantage because the questions, of course, facing Mars is. is the fact that he gets, you know, knocked out in the first round by Gonzalez, doesn't do the rematch, and then sort of goes in this two-year odyssey where he's fighting lower-level names and he's not really looking great doing it. I think what set him back was that first fight he came back, he dropped his old trainer, Clemente Medina, he picked up Virgil Hunter, he's trying this defensive style, he gets a decision win against Jonathan Akendo, but he just doesn't look comfortable doing it, he doesn't look good, he doesn't look exciting. Since then, he's dialed back, bringing Clemente Medina back. Going back to that reckless fun style, I mean, there was a really good fight that doesn't get enough credit. It was on the American Devin Alexander uh, undercard in Vegas in December of last year where Morris fought Julian Ramirez, who I think is best known for being Lomachenko's pro debut a tested veteran that turned into an action brawl where maybe it didn't need to be, but Morris was so focused on showing us that he could still be that guy again. And the thing about Morris is I don't think he's that guy again, but I think if there's going to be a fight that could get him close enough to being that guy that can really motivate him, it's going to be this one because he has to, because there's a lot of pride at stake with the battle of LA thing with the whole, you know, he's the bigger man. This fight's been talked about for two years. There's a lot of reasons for Abner Mars to get close to being that guy again. And I think if he goes back to that reckless style, he's going to have the best advantage. Because if this can be a brawl, Rafe, I think it's going to favor Mars in the end because I think he's the proven bigger puncher. I question Leo's punching power at 122 even. I'm going to question it, of course, at 126. He gets you with volume, with body attack, with mm-hmm. breaking all those CompuBox numbers by being the busiest fighter in the sport. I'm not confident, though, that he can back up and hurt Mars as easily, though. I mean, do you think I'm looking too quickly past the, far, the fact that we've seen Mars get cold-cocked in the first round? Or, or you know, I think I'm looking too, too easily past any potential chin issues there? No, you're, I mean, look, the, the chin is sort of a question, although we don't, we don't really think of Leo Santa Cruz as a one-punch power guy, although he, tend, he, hurt, he tends to hurt people who he hits. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, that's what makes it hard to call. I mean, we don't – like, the way that Mares has treated the last couple of years, he sort of has a little – and he's not – doesn't have as much – doesn't really have the crazy factor, but he has a little bit of the Victor Ortiz, does he really – is he – is he really invested in this factor? I mean, the way he, he sort of, people sort of suspect he backed it out. He backed out of the, the rematch with Johnny Gonzalez, you know, things like, and, and some of the, the, the opponents he's had since then have been 
pretty low level guy. So it's like, how, how bad does, does Abner Myers really want to get back to this level? So that's one question on Myers' side. On the other side, Myers, I think a lot of people, and I think so, is a, a little bit of a sharper fighter in, in exchanges. I think if they, if they do exchange punches, Myers, I would pick him to land the cleaner, stronger, sharper punches. So when, if that happens, you, you kind of think maybe he has a, a skill, uh, a little bit of a skill edge on, on Leo, uh, and, and how's Leo going to respond if Santa Cruz exactly. starts getting starts taking some fire because we've never seen it. Um, exactly. It's a hard call to fight, man. You know. And Morris is a little more versatile. He can box. I mean, the Morris of his peak against Ponce de Leon boxed in that fight well to set up his power punches and then showed you the brawling and power when it was time. I'm not convinced that Leo can do both. As much as he told me, look, I'm willing to brawl for 12 rounds unless Morris's power forces me to box. I'm not convinced that Leo can outbox Morris for 12 rounds or that he would want to. I think that default is going to always kick in with that L.A. crowd screaming, you know, the pro, the Mexican, the best fan base in boxing going nuts. I think no matter what, Leo is going to be brawling. And if he's brawling for 12 rounds, it's going to favor Morris. That's my bottom line on that, Rafe. All right. All right. Well, yeah. Well, before we get to our predictions, man, I, we got to give you a couple minutes at least to, to just, you know, wax poetic on, on your prediction coming to life. An old guy fight. Oh, hashtag old guy fights. We're going to see Shane. We're actually going to see it. It almost broke down, but we're going to see Shane Mosley, Ricardo Mayorga, too, uh, this weekend on independent pay-per-view. It's Saturday night at the Forum in Inglewood, California. It's in the same city as the PBC card going on at the same time. It's a tough break for Shane, the fighter and the promoter there, to put it up against. But it's actually going to happen. Don King nearly took this train off the off the rails here. I mean, uh, with the 11th hour lawsuit, trying to say he still has Mayorga under contract, trying to break up the fight. It didn't happen. It's still going to go on. Rafe, you know I love these hashtag old guy fights. I'm not sure, though, that there's any chance this lives up to hashtag OGF expectations, but we saw the theatrics this week that we expect from this fight. <laughs> <laughs> when the press conference, Mayorga touched Shane, Mo- Shane Mosley's girlfriend, who you see a lot on Twitter on his account. With Shane promoting this fight, she's sort of acting as like the host of the press conference. She's involved in everything. Mayorga touches her rear end when she bends over before they do the final stare down. And in all mayhem ensues, you have Mo- Mosley pushing him and going after him. You have 70-year-old Grandpa Jack Mosley, Shane's dad, who, like, went off and goes after him. If you watch a video that was long enough, there's a lot of quick videos of this, but if you watch the longer version, you can really tell how, how fake this is because Shane's girlfriend's yelling, kick his ass, kick his ass, and Shane's more worried about picking up the shoe that she threw at, at Mayorga, not really going after it. Since then, look at the soap opera. Since then, Mayorga's saying, look, it was staged. Shane told me to do it. Shane's coming out on Twitter and saying, no, Mayorga's lying. The, the Nicaraguan government got mad at Mayorga for, for acting out. In order to keep the, their support, they told him to clean this up. Who the heck knows what's going on? I don't believe there's any chance this scuffle was real. But it gave you what you wanted and inspected in Mayorga. And for anyone to say that this is a big joke, yes, it is. But that's what you're signing up for. Look, Rafe, if you're on vacation and you're out at the beach and there's this little dive bar next to it and you see a sign that some, like, 80s or 90s one-hit wonder band's going to play, like Mr. Big or something, you're going to get fired up, right? You might go there for that free show. <laughs> you don't care that, that the lead singer's got a gut, that he's bald. You don't even care that, like, half the original band isn't there. You want to see them play that one song, right? So you can hold up your lighter. You want to see Mayorga. You don't care if he's fat, that he hasn't been training. You want to see him play that one song. Well, he played that one song when he started this press conference ball. He's probably going to play that one song on Saturday for as long as it lasts when he bangs on his chin and forces Mosley to come forward. Rafe, this is what it is. It's a sloppy mess, but I love it. And can I tell you one more? What? Yeah, clap. Lay it on me. I'm loving it. There's there's a uh, there's a podcast out there that M- MMA fighter Brendan Schaub has, and it, when he was talking, it's called the Fighter and the Kid. This week, he said he was training in the same gym as Mayorga, and he said Mayorga didn't even have like organized sparring partners. He's going around asking people on treadmills if they want to get in the ring and just give him some rounds. And it's confirmed that Mayorga is smoking cigarettes in between sparring matches outside. It's exactly what we expect and want coming in. So, Rafe, is there any chance this fight lives up to even fun expectations? Man, first of all, I just want to congratulate you on somehow comparing Shane Mosley and Mayorga to to the I think the plot of the Hugh Grant movie, Music and Lyrics, is sort of what we're <laughs> oh, working hey. with there. I mean, this is an amazing moment here. Uh, I saw that in the theater. That, 
Yeah, yo, I'm actually a, I'm a closet Hugh Grant fan. Like, I'm just a mark on that guy. He's always funny. Uh, but let me let me you know let's get into the old guy fights. It's a much more uh, you know testosterone filled topic than than uh, Hugh Grant. Um, uh, yeah, I mean this fight. Uh, I, I will say that I wasn't really impressed by the by the groping at the press conference yesterday and the the stage fight. I think if you're gonna go with a stage fight. Get a little more creative. This is, you know, this is, you got to, this is the internet. This is 2015. You really got to do something crazy to, 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 to make a dent. And yeah, you got to glass somebody, right? Glass somebody no, these days. Come no, on. No, man. It, it's, it's, it's obvious in Mosley's case. I mean, they should have just had, you know, Ricardo Mayorga kidnap Tito, Shane Mosley's pet monkey, and, <laughs> you know, put out a video, threatened to, like, you know, I mean, I, I, you can't threaten to do something heinous to, to Tito the monkey. Shane Shane pretends to get all worked up. I mean, you know, how, how about have Mayorga smoke ice on the dais and have Doug the Bounty Hunter come in and, and capture? <laughs> yeah, that have been tremendous. I'm in on all of it. Look, man. Uh, the, the the unfortunate thing, and you already said it, is this old guy fight is going down the same day as Mario Santa Cruz in the same city at the same time. The real way for it, look, no one cares about the old guy fight to see the actual fight. We know it's going to be two old guys looking tired and holding each other up by the end of it. You know, it's not going to be very exciting. Hey, Shane's got like an eight pack right now. I mean, Tito's been getting down on those washboard abs. Shane's taking this serious Shane, right now. Shane, Shane is one of these guys who was born with an eight pack. Eight pack. He's going to have one until he's 80. It doesn't <laughs> I mean he's gonna have energy in a boxing ring by uh, the way there's concerns you know, that my won't make weight right now as we're recording this because i can't of how- believe they set a weight for this fight this Ryan. has got to be I'm open really- weight like ufc one style that's what if, if we're really going to create an old guy division a senior tour whatever you want to call it, it's a horrible idea but i love it you have to just do open weight if you're within three divisions in your prime of the other guy it's open weight it's anything goes but so what I was saying is that like the way that these kind of events are going to come off, they'll come off as an internet thing, as basically an extended 12-round meme. And you need to schedule that at a downtime. You need to, with no competition, you basically need all the diehard degenerate boxing junkies <laughs> willing to watch this, all tweeting jokes about it at the same time, pictures and gifts and terrible, obscene things that gets everyone excited and laughing and focusing on everything but the boxing. So Friday um, nights after the bar closes, right? Friday I think I think you know Brian. The, the way you do this is you talk. Um, you 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 visit your boy Al Heyman, get him to let you start an old guy fight division. OGF Wednesdays. Find a find. Put it on you know the Lifetime Network or something, and. Boom, you know, no competition. You'll have a captive audience and you can just go wild with it. You know, you could be the PT Barnum of hashtag old, old guy fights. You know, this is what this is your calling, man. This Do you have it. a dream old guy fight? Because there's like a champagne level old guy fight, which would probably be like Vitaly Lennox too. That's probably like the champagne level old guy fight. But I'll still eat from the gutter of the old guy if it's a, if it's a good enough matchup with big names. Is there any like a dream old guy fight that you would actually get excited for? Uh, my dream old guy fights all involve me being a hater, and uh, the mo- and and right at the top of my list right now is dragging uh, old guy Joe Calzaghe out to get beat by someone. Oh, see, I'm a Super Joe super fan, so I'd be I'd all love for to seeing. Hang an L on that guy. Hang an Imagine L if you put Joe. that zero on the line against somebody. Who can we match him with? <laughs> that like around sixty eight, seventy five. What are we gonna? This is an incredible uh, development. I'm just thinking like Oscar Tito too to to pe- appease the fanboy in me. That's the the real old guy fight I want. No way classes roll it out but man see super joe get back in there that'd be incredible but rafe look i I can talk about this topic forever we got to roll on into the the prediction mode for this saturday i'm going to look at you first i'm going to bring the good one at you santa cruz maris where are you leaning well we're talking about how hard it is i really do think this is a hard fight to call um for me the, the 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 most defining issue here is uh abner maris looking in recent fights like he is truly diminished. Leo Santa Cruz, maybe he looks like he's not as good as we thought he might be, but I think he's still uh, has, you know, he's still going to come out and be the fighter we know he is. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to, you know, he's going to push the pace. He's going to do all those things. I don't know if Mares uh, wants that anymore, and if he can't hurt, if he doesn't have enough left to hurt Leo, and I'm not, I, I, I'm not willing to say that I think he does. He might. I think he could. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he does, but I, he's not my pick to do it. Um, if he can't hurt Leo, I don't think he's going to want to sit there and let this sort of young guy chase him around and do a little mini Antonio Margarito impression on his ass the whole night. Um, <laughs> So for that reason, and I'm not picking it with a ton of confidence for that reason, I think that Leo Santa Cruz will win by late sets, late stoppage. Wow. I didn't see this pick coming. I didn't see the late stoppage, even though, of course, Santa Cruz is the betting favorite with the unbeaten record. Wow, Rafe. I mean, stereotypes of a white male misunderstood, but it's still all good. I didn't know you were going this route. You gave a good defense for it, but I'm still going to lean on the exact opposite. I'm going to say that the, the, the energy and the buzz in this building and what that machismo, what that, you know, me- Mexican fight fan wants. These guys are going to provide, and if they stick to the script, you're playing in Tamarez's hands. Like I said, I don't think he's the same guy from two years ago, but this is the fight where he can fool us and get close enough to there. I'm picking Morris. It's a dial back. He's got one of the best, best one of the best haircuts in the sport. By the way, no one talks about it. I'm going to see him dial back and uh, and win by stoppage. I think he's going to stop Leo in about the ninth round. I don't think Leo's prepared for this level of power for this long of an action fight. A guy who's going to punch back and actually hurt him. There's my pick. Morris comes back. He's back. You could, you could be right. There are, as they say, there are levels to this game. Or you can just lie and say crazy stuff. Moving on to crazier things here, Rafe. Mosley Mayorga two. Where are you going? Um, you know, I haven't. I really haven't spent a lot of time breaking down this fight. How dare you? Um, you know, uh, but uh, you know, Shane Mosley won the first one. Shane Mosley is actually in shape. Um, Shane Mosley was always the better fighter. So uh, with those in mind, I think that Shane Mosley will win a very depressing uh, decision victory. <laughs> oh, no, no chance. Mallorca is not seeing 12. By the way, there's a 12-round fight, not an 8, which it could be. Okay. My- and the, the only way that Mallorca doesn't make it is if he just retires on his stool <laughs> out of fatigue. Like he's, that's, that, that is the stoppage, if that's what you want to call a stoppage. Maybe he just fights on his knees, Dorfan Golf style. I mean, uh, this guy's not going. <laughs> 12 come on what i'm gonna say this like you know mosley of course that was a competitive first fight in 2008 mosley won it on a knockout in the last second you're just not going to see them in that kind of shape again mosley in the better shape my is going to do a song and dance for two rounds but he's going to gas and he's going to be getting hit easily early and often shane is sparring real people to prepare for this fight he's sparring shane sean porter he's got kenny porter in his corner He's got his dad. He's, he's got his son around. Mayorga's picking people off treadmills, according to Brendan Sean, but just asking them to, to spar with him. I got Mosley by about a fourth-round stoppage. It's going to be sloppy. It's going to be everything we expect it to be, but you better believe I'm, I'm, I'm catching an Internet stream of that as soon as I can after uh, the PBC on ESPN is over because that's how we do it. Like Rafe says, lie and say crazy stuff. We are the ropes. Yes. That is the way to go out. Lie and say crazy stuff, and you will find success. Guys, uh, Brian, it's great to be back. It's great to be talking to you. I'm looking forward to this this whole season of boxing, getting some more guests on, really diving into what's going to be the, the prime. It, every year, it's the prime of the boxing calendar. You know, we always end with a strong note almost every year. So, uh, you know, but let's we'll get there when we get there. We'll cross those bridges when we get to it. For now, uh, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you, Brian, for being here. Our producers at the Grantland Network, Joe Fuentes and David Jacoby. I want to encourage everyone to follow us on Twitter at B Campbell ESPN. Is that right? Did I get it? Oh, yeah, that's corporate. That's corporate. That's perfect. You got it. I'm at Rafe Boogs. Um, please go on That's to two iTunes. O's. Two O's on Boogs. Right? Yeah, Boogs is in Booger. Um, Boogie. Um, and uh, go on to iTunes, rate us, review us, do all those things if you like. Uh, we're going to be back much more regularly now that the boxing is picking up again, and we're really looking forward to being here. And uh, just to remind everybody of the schedule this weekend, uh, Saturday night, PBC on ESPN. That's Leo Santa Cruz and Abner Mares fighting from Los Angeles at the Staples Center at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And then on independent pay-per-view, I don't even know when and I don't care when. If you do, you will find out. Also fighting from the Forum in Inglewood, California, uh, is going to be Shane Mosley and Ricardo Mayorga breathing all over each other, real heavy, just uh, slumping a lot. And A lot of fluids boxing, will be exchanged. Ring. Yeah, it'll be the sweatiest match of the year. Uh, Perhaps, um, except for that one sweaty guy with all the hair that James Bag Jr. likes. All right, let's get out of here, man. Everybody, thank you very much. We are the rules. Brian, I'll talk to you soon, man. We out. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.